Welcome to Witch and Goddess. I'm your host, Patty Black. I'm a witch, a teacher, and priestess. Goddess devotion is an essential part of my craft, and many goddesses are my cohorts in magic. Each episode, we explore a different goddess, her lore, and how to connect with her energetically and magically. Welcome back and thanks for listening. Today we're welcoming one of my very favorite priestesses and mentors, the brilliant Demelza Fox. Demi is a priestess of the goddess, a devotee of the goddess of love, an international temple dancer, ritualist, shadow hunter, retreat leader, and ceremonialist based in the UK. Demi has spent nearly 20 years walking the path of the goddess. She's trained as a priestess of Rhiannon in Glastonbury Avalon. She's trained as a sister of Avalon in the Glastonbury Goddess Temple and has trained within the 13 Moon Mystery School. She runs Rockstar Priestess, which is a priestess and goddess spirituality training site for wild witches and modern-day mystics, and her writings have been featured in online publications such as Elephant Journal, Rebel Society, Luna Luna Magazine, and Witch. She's the headmistress of the Morgan Le Fay Mystery School, which is dedicated to teaching the ways and secrets of Morgan Le Fay through both online courses and retreats in the heart of the landscape of Avalon in Glastonbury, UK. She's also responsible for a huge part of my relationship with Morgan Le Fay and a great deal of my priestess path. Welcome, Demi. Hi, Patty. Lovely to be here. Oh, I'm so glad to have you. So I've taken many wonderful courses with you. So I'm familiar with your priestess origin story, but I'd love it if you could share about how you came to be a priestess of the goddess. Sure thing. So when I was a teenager, it was kind of around the craft and charm. So witches were really, really in. And there were witchcraft columns in all the teenage girly magazines. So I was obsessed with them and I discovered witchcraft and spells and I was like, oh my God, magic is real. <gasps> so I went down that whole thing as a teenager, learning about Wicca and witchcraft and all that stuff. But the thing I was really drawn to was the devotional side and the goddess and the god of Wicca and modern witchcraft. And I didn't quite get why I was so into it. Um, my family is very, or was, it's changed a bit now. My family was very atheist and there was no spiritual experience at all. And I live in England, which is, which has an official church of England, but it's, it's very English and it's very don't bother anyone don't ask anyone about this kind of stuff so I didn't grow up with any kind of spirituality or religion and I was really drawn to this devotional connecting with the god connecting with the land connecting with the goddess part and I didn't get it until I was a bit older and I discovered that Morgan Le Fay who I've always been a big fan of was an actual thing and like a fairy queen and a goddess and it blew my tiny wee mind and I went on a huge for the next five six years I went on a huge binge just buying any book that had Morgan Le Fay in the index at the back and this was kind of before Amazon was such a big part of my life and I'd just go to the bookshops and look at the index to see if anything with Morgan Le Fay was in it and Morgan Le Fay actually brought me through my hunt of her to the world of priestessing. And I bought this book called Priestess of the Goddess, Priestess of Avalon by a lady called Kathy Jones, who runs the Goddess Temple in Glastonbury. The first time I read it, I was like, mm, 
this is a bit weird. And then the second time I read it, I was like, oh my God, this is me. This is everything I've ever wanted to be. I finally get what my point is and what my deal is spiritually. Oh my God, my life has changed. So, and it took me, I read that book when I was 19, I think. And it took me a good few years before I was actually brave enough to tell anyone that I was into precessing and witchcraft. I was very much an in the closet witch until about less than a decade ago. And I ended up having the brave go and begin to train at the Glastonbury Goddess Temple as a priestess. And honestly, I never in a million years thought I would have the courage to do that. That was the that was a huge big step out of my comfort zone and very scary thing for me to be seen as a spiritual person first and foremost and as a unusual spiritual person that doesn't just do something that everyone knows about but is a witch and is a priestess and is obsessed with ancient goddess cultures and stuff that was a really really big big step for me and since then and really connecting with Morgan Le Fay there I kind of got taken on my own life is the initiation priestess training going to study with lots of different teachers and going in funny directions and on all those strange underworld journeys you get taken on when you are a spiritual person and walking a spiritual path that's kind of how I ended up here does that answer your question yeah it's funny that you said it blew your mind when you found out that Morgan was you know a goddess and that is kind of what I experienced I found you first as the only resource I'd ever seen that really spoke of Morgan Le Fay as as a so-called legitimate goddess Mm -hmm. rather than a literary character Mm -hmm. and I have been so grateful for that because my passion for Morgan and building that relationship with her was a great catalyst for that, but it was also a, a turning point in my languishing witchcraft practice and all of the goddess work I've been doing ever since. So what qualities do you feel make Morgan Le Fay so important for modern witches and goddess followers? Oh, so Morgan Le Fay, she's, she's a tricksy one because she's never one thing and she never, hmm, She's never quite one thing. She's all those contradictions in one. And one of the things I think is really powerful about Morgan Le Fay for modern witches and priestesses and spiritual women today is, hmm, it's, so Morgan Le Fay's story, how she has been represented in legends, she started out as this, oh, beautiful, wonderful goddess who healed people at the very beginning of the recordings we have of her. And then very, very quickly, she got turned into this bad girl who's like, she's got too much power and she's too sexy. And no, we will not be seduced by her sexy wiles. And there's this this big vilification of too muchness and not perfectness because of course when we think of Morgan Le Fay she's in the Arthur stories and the stories of the Arthurian court which are from medieval times which you would think don't have much relevance to us now but that cultural way of looking at things that good and evil big old Christianity lens is still very very potent in our world even if it's kind of more subtle now and it's more 
the cultural collective ideas that we have agreed upon things without ever actually speaking them out loud. So Morgan Le Fay really brings that fearless bad girl essence and she is exactly who she is and who she is is very complicated and she is so many different things at once. She's both a sorceress and a powerful powerful witch and she is a high priestess and a very spiritual connected in with the divine and the seasons goddess and she is someone who is very very present and bold and arresting when you meet her and at the same time she shapeshifts in and out with a big group of other goddesses and beings that may or may not be her and she just shifts around in the background so she really holds that bad girl thing I've said bad girl a lot I think I feel like that's a really powerful part because Morgan Le Fay holds so many of the things that as women we're not allowed to be we're not allowed to be powerful we're not allowed to be sexy if we're a mother we have to get rid of everything else and we have to just be a mother and we can no longer be powerful and sexy and in Morgan Le Fay's stories she isn't a goddess that is nice and sweet and good all the time. She's not good all the time. She is a petty, petty woman sometimes. And she wreaks revenge on people that don't need it. And she goes over the top and she gets all butthurt about things that she probably shouldn't get butthurt about in the stories. And she really pulls in this essence of what I think is one of the main truisms of goddess spirituality, which is all the good stuff that we love about life and the good qualities those are divine holy things but all the shitty bad stuff god doesn't see any judgment the divine doesn't see any judgment so just because we are experiencing things in a not perfect lens doesn't mean we're any less or that we're not human or we're not spiritually worthy that's one of the things that was quite a roundabout way to say it. And one of the other ones I really feel with Morgan Le Fay and why she's so important, not only is her main truism, she's about power and reclaiming our power and reclaiming our spiritual power and being able to choose our own fate and destiny. She's a witch. That's what witches do, right? Um, she holds that so strongly. She is also a sister and a really big part of Morgan Le Fay is this sisterhood. She was a queen of the island of Avalon, which she ruled with eight other sisters. So she always worked as a team. And I feel like this is the thing that we are remembering as women in the 21st century. We're not supposed to do things on our own. We're so used to this patriarchal system where we have to prove ourselves that we can be independent women and we don't need no man and we don't need no anyone else and we can do it all on our own and that's how you know you're worthy because accepting support from others takes away from your success, right? That's the stupid success tale we've been growing up with but Morgan Le Fay reminds us we're not actually supposed to do anything alone and our community and our connections with other people and our sisterhood those are the things that make us stronger. Those are the things that enable us to move on. And it releases so much of the pressure off of us. And we're not always great at practicing this. I know I'm not. It's one of my biggest learnings, especially this year, to be able to 
be more supported and to share like control and the burden of everything that needs to be done with others but she's there to remind us the way we've been playing the game isn't the way we're supposed to be playing the game it's always a team effort it's always a community thing and that doesn't distract from the success that just expands it and makes it easeful and nice and everything's better when you do stuff with friends right that's what she's getting at I love it and that's one of the aspects of Morgan that um still holds a lot of mystery for me is the sister I think an ongoing theme for me is this continuous unlearning of the whole competition mindset and so I love that you said that about the sister so how do you recommend a seeker begin to form a relationship with Morgan I think to start forming a relationship with Morgan Le Fay so Morgan Le Fay is the goddess of Avalon which was the realm of inspiration so I feel like the first thing to do in your seeking of Morgan Le Fay is just go wild and have fun and go explore everything related to Morgan Le Fay that you think is cool. So watch all the trashy movies with Morgan Le Fay in them and have a Google and look on Pinterest for all those funny, sexy, slutty fairy images of Morgan Le Fay and just let yourself get inspired and chase her in whatever way, whatever way shows up in your life. Because if we're walking this visionary path of Avalon, we need to create those bridges so that inspiration can come through. And spiritual work isn't meant to be, oh, I must go to church and listen to the man and I also need to do 12 hours of meditation. It's meant to be ease filled and that's what we're connecting with when we're connecting with Morgan Le Fay in some of the aspects of the priestesses of Avalon everything is double-edged so spirituality is discipline and at the same time it's ease so there's always holding those two things at once and that's one of the things that Morgan Le Fay is literally all about holding two opposites at the same time because she's the one who stands between the worlds with one foot in one world and one foot in the other world and she's the one that rules the twilight times and the twilight places. So she's always both and, that's her. So firstly, just go wild and get excited and watch trashy TV and read all the Arthurian novels and stuff and have a great time. By Arthurian novels, I don't mean you have to go back and read Mallory's translation. I mean, you can totally read the trashy romance stuff. It's all firing up your imagination. And then I would say... Begin to see her in the landscape. So wherever you see an apple tree, wherever you see, I always see her at puddles. So whenever there's that combination between the sky and the land and the water. So like when you go for a walk and there's a puddle on the road and you can see the reflection of the sky, that's a Avalonian portal. That's a place of power for Morgan Le Fay. So just really noticing those places, noticing the apple trees, noticing any medicinal herbs you see in your neighborhood and noticing the crows and beginning to see her in your world around you. And as always, when connecting with a spirit or an entity or a deity, I always find that leaving offerings for them is a very powerful way to connect. So just having 
maybe you could create a little shrine or an altar to Morgan Le Fay, putting your favourite books on there or things that remind you of her and just going there every day and lighting a candle or lighting some incense or giving her some hawthorn berries that you found on your walk or something and just checking in and saying hi Morgan and sending this for you I'd love to connect with you and just making some space in your mind to receive and by that basically I mean meditating so that there is a quiet space in your day for that magic and that other world and that vision and that connection with the divine to hook into because if our day is always really really full of stuff and oh I have to do this oh I have to do this oh I'm gonna worry about this for 20 minutes if we don't have that space we're not make we don't have that space in our mind in that empty moment so that the divine can come through it's not going to be able to come through so you want to make that lovely empty space to invite Morgan Le Fay in I love that I love thinking of meditation as a an opportunity to make space for the divine mm. that's perfect it makes it sound so simple yeah it's not that hard you just sit around and make some space yeah you know a lot of people think of priestesses as these ascended always tranquil, graceful beings of light. When I was going through sister year with you, you had us really unpack our assumptions about what a priestess looks like. Mm -hmm. And I realized I was struggling with feelings of unworthiness because somewhere in my mind, there still lived this belief that a priestess was basically a new age, magic friendly nun. And <laughs> <laughs> that is so not who I am. So can you talk to us a little bit about the different flavors and types of priestesses? Of course. I am definitely not a new age magic friendly nun either. There is this idea that to be a priestess, I think because we're used to priest and that old world way of being, a priestess means better than. And a priestess means somehow holy and we have this old world paradigm where holiness is separate from every day but actually the job of a priestess is to be holy but be every day because it's about the embodied feminine when a priestess is an emissary of the divine feminine it's the female version of priest and um which means that we're rocking a completely different kind of divinity that we are used to when we think about priests and stuff because as a priestess we are embodied priestesses and that doesn't mean that somehow we've cleansed ourselves of being any way human or any way sinful and this idea does come into our world because it's so thick in the regular world this idea of normal people being bad and you have to ascend out of whatever you're problems and everyday nonsenses you have to somehow become superhuman and better and more perfect and this is doubly true for women because we often feel like we have to do everything so perfectly and we have this such a slow such a tiny tolerance for success um and a tiny window of what is allowed in ourselves to be okay there's that whole baggage thing so a modern day priestess is very much someone and it's very simple and there isn't really a lot of as someone who runs a priestess training school I probably shouldn't be saying this 
but there aren't really a lot of barriers to entry to being a priestess. If you feel like you're a priestess, you can claim it and you can be one. And there are different kinds of priestesses you can be in, different ways you can show up as a priestess. But of course, we both grew up in witchcraft. And in witchcraft, everybody is their own priest. Everybody is their own priestess, which means everybody has power and control over their own relationship with the divine. And everybody can have a relationship with the divine that doesn't require anybody else to butt in there. That's what that's about in witchcraft, where we came from. And there is that aspect of it in precessing, and that is the core of it. We all have our own connection with the divine, and what the priestess does is she is living her life with that divine guidance at the centre. And when I say living her life with divine guidance in the centre, it doesn't mean she does it perfectly, or she does everything, she always follows it, and she's doing this really great because I'm telling you, sometimes I do it really badly and I completely ignore divine guidance and I forget to check in and I try and barrel it along in my own way and then I only come back when I remember, oh, wait a second, this isn't the way I'm supposed to be doing this. So a priestess isn't someone who has everything figured out and is all perfect because I don't feel like that's very useful. This is my own opinion. A priestess is someone who is here to embody the divine feminine in the world and that divine feminine stuff is subtle it's not um oh suddenly i am white light and loveliness and perfectness and everything is great and i cannot relate to the plebs no we have to be able to be in that journey with other people otherwise you're not a very useful priestess are you and something i like to think about right now with priestessing is especially since I've been doing a lot of deep diving about Celtic stuff, Celtic um, traditions and Celtic spiritual revival stuff and Druidism and stuff, there is this worldview of Celtic, Celtic worldview where there's this middle world and then there's the upper world, which is kind of what we think about when we think of spirituality, which is like angelic and celestial and high vibe and all those things that those ladies on Instagram who are wearing white dresses at the beach holding up their arms talking about gratitude and stuff that's what we think of with those guys and then in the Celtic worldview there is the underworld which is the realm of the divine feminine which is the realm of magic and mystery and ancestors and fairies and depths and things that hide and that's a different way of being a priestess. And that's the way that Morgan Le Fay does. We're not about ascending and being better than this world. We're about really looking in and accepting where we are now and accepting that as we are now, we can walk this priestess path and keep committing to being these women and people who are kind of lamps of the divine feminine, lights of Morgan Le Fay in the world, in our own particular ways, without having to do it perfectly. And another way I think about priestessing is that there are lots of different ways to do it, as you said. We have um, kind of the practical priestessing side, which is what you and I do a lot. We run ceremonies and circles well, I run ceremonies and circles and retreats and stuff and we talk about the goddess and we talk about witchcraft and we share this so that people that need it can connect in and understand themselves better it's a bit like the priestess that stands on a box and is like I am a priestess come and get your priestessy needs I will talk to you about goddess anytime let me help you with your spellcraft yeah 
That's our view of being priestesses. And what we do, it's very public. But at the same time, you can be a priestess who is following a divine mission, but doesn't tell anyone that they're a priestess. So our divine mission, my divine mission is to be very obvious and do very obviously God, I see priestessy witchy things. Someone else's divine mission might be to show up and just be a really good mum and have as much patience as possible or it could be to help people at the mental health job that they work in or it could just be to keep making everything as beautiful as possible in their life and that's their job and they don't have to go and wave the title of priestess around for them to be following their divine pathway and for them to be priestessing in the world it's not necessarily an identity that people need to know about for you to be on purpose and for you to be connected in and then i like to think about the third kind of priestess so we have our public priestess we have our i like to call them stealthy priestesses they're very clearly on priestess mission but they're just not making a song and dance about that being what it is and that's important because we are Priestesses are here to serve and help. That's what a priestess is. Devoted to the divine, in service to the divine. And a lot of times it's easier to help people if they don't know that you're a big old witch that believes in Aphrodite and that kind of stuff. That will be a block to some people to receiving help. So it's not necessarily something you have to lead with. You can be sneaky. It's fine. And the third kind I call a devotional priestess, which is where... We are just quietly living our own lives, connecting with the divine feminine, connecting with our gods, serving our gods in our own little quiet ways and being in devotion to them. And you don't have to go around telling people that this is what you do, it's private. And your your work and your vocation isn't necessarily aligned with that. You could work at an office in the week and then when you come home, come home and you meditate and you light your candles and you feel in with that connection and you're just really carefully and intentionally bringing in that divine feminine energy into the way you live your life so your whole life is this light of divine feminine energy and I believe that every priestess is a devotional priestess first and foremost whether you decide to go stealthy or public or just stay devotional that's the heart of what we do yeah that devotion is is the foundation mm-hmm. or the whole relationship so speaking of different types of priestessing i know that you're in training as a scent priestess which i think mm-hmm. is kind of a well-kept secret i don't think a lot of people know about this um what can you share about these practices mm. so with the scent priestess um I'm kind of an Aphrodite girl, so I love beautiful things and fragrances and colours. So I wanted to train as a scent priestess because I love essential oils and I wanted to learn a more deep way of connecting with the oils and in a spiritual way, not in a um, mass market doTERRA, drink the oils to solve your problems kind of way in uh, in a very powerful spiritual way so I've been training as a mirror at the Emerald Temple with Diana Debro, and it's the mirror are kind of in the lineage of Mary Magdalene what we imagine and vision that she would have been doing and they are the ones who 
hold the spiritual power of the oils, which are the essences of plants, and they're the most concentrated essence of these plant allies. And the mirrorphores are, well, their thing really is about precessing deaths and transitions and using the holy oils to, on one lens, anoint, which is in Mary Magdalene speak, that's Christing. It is making holy and anointing is the practice of remembering and recognizing your sacred nature. So that's one part of what a mirror does. It's the re reclaiming and remembering and anointing ourselves and others with the remembrance that we are holy. We don't have to change anything to be holy. We are just holy as is. Yeah, it's divine creatures of God. And on the other side of it, and this is the bit I'm just getting into in my training class I'm in, it is the death mysteries and the sent priestess who is there at times of transition and these times of transition could be a physical death it could be a time of when somebody leaves a job and goes into another thing it could be at the time of a miscarriage or of a broken relationship when someone really needs to walk over a painful threshold and be held in that place where they are this is the place where the mirrorfors really come in because they are priestesses of transition and they use these energies, so the energy of the oils and the scents, you know, aromatherapy-wise scents help of those oils and the very particular properties that these plant allies have to help people move through those places. And I've always really, this kind of work, I mean, the death bit, I'm a bit, I've always, I'm, I've always been more of the wedding side than the death side as a pra practical priestess. But this aspect of priestessing, which for me, I'm an underworld priestess, though, obviously. For me, it's the heart of what it means to be doing priestess work in the world, helping people through transitions from one thing to another. And the thing about transitions is that they are often painful because change is hard and life isn't just about moving from one happy moment to the next it's the whole spectrum of everything that can happen and it's glorious and horrific and amazing and too much and not enough and all those things and that's the part of scent priestessing that i am really really interested in it's the um the interesting death stuff and the transitional ceremonies and the slow attuning to plants and oils and smelling really really good and there is this big mirrorfors and death there's this big link there and it fascinates me and scares me so i'm exploring it and learning about it sounds beautiful mm -hmm. it it sounds like this really intentional practice that can really easily move into what whatever form our world is currently evolving into mm. right so the world is very much massive massive i mean i don't like being one of those people and there's new age people on instagram it's like we're going through a shift and everything is changing and presents the shift but it's, it is a bit like our world's very intense and a lot of things are changing and falling away and we're more aware of stuff than we ever have been in the past. 
so this ability to priestess transition I feel that's what that's the point of a modern practicing priestess to be able to be there and help people through big transitions and bring that element of sacredness and connection back into people's lives because it's missing and everybody is soul starved for this connection to something bigger even if they don't know what it is and I'm from England which isn't a particularly religious country and I'm from Cambridge in England which is a university town which is very has a very strong um scientific atheist bent even those people still are looking for this soul food that priestessing and honoring the sacredness in these transitional times brings and that's why often this is my personal opinion often being a priestess it's not always the most helpful thing to be oh i'm a priestess i'm all dressed in black look at my pentacle pentagram tattoos and I'm going to tell everyone about the goddess six ways you have to be able to adapt to your community and be there for people maybe it is in a way where they're going to be going on a deep ritual with Hecate for release or maybe it is in a ritual or ceremony where you don't actually mention the goddess or the divine at all but it is there and that is the thing that's helping these people and that is the thing that is giving them that connection to the sacred that is absolutely desperately needed, especially in our Western world right now. Yeah, I can relate to that, that hunger for ceremony and sacred mm-hmm. that is shrinking. So um, speaking of that, you are gearing up to begin another year, another round of the sister year in the Morgan Le Fay Mystery School. Yes, I am. Oh, which is a program... I loved. I benefited so much from that. Um, what does that year look like for an aspiring sister of Morgan Le Fay? So Morgan Le Fay's sister year, it is a year of going through, working with Morgan Le Fay and working through eight of her faces. So we work with Morgan Le Fay as shadow, as high priestess, a sister, enchantress, fairy lover, healer, great mother and queen and we work through these faces through the year so that we can go on this really powerful, transformative, weird, initiatory journey both into our own spiritual power and into the foundations of what it means to be walking as a priestess and be living that path of the goddess inspired by Avalon which is the ancient mythological realm of the devoted priestesses of Avalon that may or may not have been real but we don't care um so we're really stepping in and going through this huge softening so we can open up to who we really are and what our power is and what our purpose is and what our passions are and what our thing is because that's kind of what Morgan Le Fay is all about she she knows what you're supposed to be doing she kind of kicks you till you get there so it's a big year of working with Morgan Le Fay, going through these eight priestess initiations that you need as your foundation to be a really smart, grounded and powerful priestess who can priestess herself through stuff. You can't priestess for other people until you can priestess for yourself. And yeah, we go on this crazy magical journey that's always extremely difficult to um, describe because everyone 
everyone changes in some huge way, but everyone changes differently. So by the end, some some women are stepping out into new jobs and new careers. And some women have remembered that magical spark. And some women finally feel more confident than they've ever been at just raring to go. It changes for everyone, but it is a beautiful year spent being held by Morgan Le Fay and taken by her to initiate you into whatever's coming next in your life and to have that deep, deeper connection with the goddess that if you're entering a priestess training program or a mystery school, that's what you're doing. You want to have a deeper connection and a deeper embodiment of the divine feminine. So that's what we do through the lens of Morgan Le Fay and Avalon and it's pretty great. Even though I made it, it is pretty amazing. I do love it. It is really great. And if you are at all interested in in embodying priestesshood, in deepening with Morgan Le Fay, I would highly recommend it. Demi is such, she's a really down-to-earth and accessible guide, but she's also this great channel of magic. So um, I would highly recommend it. Thank you, Kathy. So I love talking to you, Demi. Thank you so much for sharing your magic with us. Thank you so Where, much for having me. Oh, you're, anytime. Where can people find you and your brilliant work? Sure thing. So you can find me at my website, which I think is either, no, I know, my website, which is rockstarpriestess.com. It's also priestesstraining.com. Or you can find me on Instagram at rockstarpriestess. And if you go to my website or go on my Instagram, you will find there's loads of free stuff you can get. I make all these obscenely time-consuming and very, very beautiful free guides for everybody, like, once or twice a year. And there's lots of free stuff that you can get involved with, free ceremonies, beautiful guidebooks, meditations, so much stuff. So you can just go there and have a hunt around and see what you like. Yes, and I guarantee that you will be inspired. As a Taurus moon, the time and care that you put into these gorgeous, rich images for your workbooks and things, it's its not necessary, but it feeds a part of my soul. And I know there are other people out there who are equally fed by, by beauty. And I think that's important. So I love it and appreciate it. Thank you so much. I always, I'm an Aphrodite lady. I love Morgan Le Fay, but bit split personality I'm obsessed with Aphrodite that's my other side and everything has to be beautiful and even if it's very inconvenient that's how it works and I'm making these beautiful (laughs) things and I'm sitting there and I've been doing it for 30 hours and I'm thinking oh my god what am I doing I should just make it simple it doesn't matter and then I go no I have to make it more beautiful it just can't be it just has to be (laughs) you get it you're a Taurus beauty witch I've seen I've seen you in your house and stuff and in a world where everybody tells us that the pursuit of beauty is shallow and meaningless it's it's not as important maybe as our society makes it but it is but it is important it's not meaningless you know it really feeds something so beauty is um beauty is the physical manifestation of love in the world and it's how the divine gets in and how it gets mm-hmm. to people. Even if they don't think they're spiritual, if they look at something beautiful, that is a spiritual experience. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you so much for spending time with me, Demi. If you are interested in Morgan Le Fay Mystery School, particularly Sister Year Priestess Training, I believe Demi begins the program around Samhain, so check it out at Rockstar Priestess. I want to thank the deities mentioned in this episode for lending their names, their myths, and their energy. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to work with me, you can find out about one-on-one sessions in my group courses at blackbirdmagic.com. That's magic with a CK. You can also connect with me on Instagram at witchandgoddesspod. I love emails and messages, so let me know about your goddess experiences at witchandgoddesspod at gmail.com. If you like the show, please subscribe and tell your coven.